0: How's it going, everybody? My name is Austin. I'm with Apostles Addict, and you can find me here
1: on Faithful Dialogues. And I'm with my buddy, Ryan. Hey, Austin. My name is Ryan, and I'm with AIW.org. Check me out over there. Uh, And this is my friend, Christian. He is joining us today uh, to talk about the fourth. Uh, There is a background video playing, Austin. Is it playing right now? Yeah. (laughs) Oops! (laughs) Oops. <laughs> oh, it's not playing for me. That's weird. Uh, I don't think I can. Okay. Okay. Right. Sorry about that, everybody. Take two. Uh, so my name is Ryan and this is my friend Christian. Uh, he's joining us today. He has a huge passion for our founding fathers, for our country, and uh he wants to share some of that knowledge with us here today. So, Christian, if you want to introduce yourself. Uh, hi
2: guys. Uh, my name's Christian Silva. Uh, I am a uh Teacher, I guess you could say, but I'm with the homeschool community. It's not like we have one spot we're in. We go through different places. Uh, I teach a class, to homeschool kids. I call American Heroes for a whole year. The kids uh, they learn the entire story of the American Revolution. Uh, if you come to my class, you'll see kids shooting each other with Nerf guns. And you'll say, "Is this history?" Yes, that is history, because uh, kids shoot each other with Nerf guns. Then I tell them about a battle, and they want to listen to it. So. Pretty cool
1: yeah i've seen him teach his classes they're they're incredible he gets the kids really engaged with uh what they're learning and and always make sure to to wrap it up with uh you know with, with some good fun and and uh good uh, good education as well
0: nice all right so yeah today we basically have a fourth of july special where we're gonna learn about our founding fathers how the country got started and everything of that kind of nature and Christian Silva has a is a very passionate about this subject he uh when when I first met him he was really interested about it and and talking to me and kind of telling me the different cool things that happened and all the key people and what they did and so I wanted to have him on the show today me and Ryan wanted to have him on the show and yeah so basically let's We're going to go through a couple of the things for the stream, and then we're going to get right rolling into the message with uh, the 4th of July stuff. So really quick, just wanted to go over the gospel really fast. Um, Basically, the gospel is God stepped into his creation through the person of Jesus Christ, and he allowed his perfect life, his sinless life, to be a sacrifice on the cross so that he could pay for the sins of the world as he could pay for our sins for it with his sacrifice and if we put our he rose three days later And if we put our faith in Jesus and who he is he was the Messiah who was supposed to come he is the Christ and if we put our faith that Jesus is the Christ that he is the Messiah that he died on the cross for our sins that he did that God did raise him three days later Then he we have a promise from God that we will see him in heaven We will exist with him eternally in heaven forever and i urge everybody if you're not a christian to put your faith in jesus today all right and then ryan has a message that he wants to give us as well
1: yeah so you know one of the things if you're already a christian you've already put your faith in jesus christ if you profess that he is lord and believe in your heart that he rose from the dead uh one of the things that that means is that you are a priest and that you have certain responsibilities and one of those responsibilities that I believe that I have, and I think that Austin and Christian think that of themselves as well, is to spread the gospel. And that's why we're here today to do that, to minister to our community and uh, take any in any prayer requests that you might have, any questions, any comments. Uh, you can text those to us at 833-262-6431. And uh, yeah, so we just want to minister to you guys and see what we can do to help. All right
0: so we've got that we've got that all right and then we've got a little video that we want to play for you guys right here so basically this is uh christian what is this video
2: oh this is john adams uh from the hbo show which is awesome i recommend it okay uh it's him giving his rousing speech for independence and why the rest of the congress should vote for it Okay, so we're gonna go ahead and watch this clip. It is about three minutes long,
0: and uh I imagine this clip is gonna be referenced a little uh, little later in the episode, so I'm gonna go ahead and play that now.
2: President recognizes mr Adams
1: uh are you capable of turning the volume up a little bit?
0: It's on it, i don't so it's uh for you. Like, uh, is it, um, it... my so volume's little... for me and your volume's for you.
1: No, that little, there's a little volume bar that you can, next to the play button. Is it, is it louder now? I think so.
3: Objects of the most...
0: Yeah. Because I turned it all the way up. Oh. Okay.
3: okay. magnitude. Measures which will affect the lives of millions born and unborn. for us, we must expect a great expense of blood to obtain them, but we must always remember that a free constitution of civil government cannot be purchased at too dear a rate, as there is nothing on this side of Jerusalem of greater importance to mankind. My worthy colleague from Pennsylvania has spoken with great ingenuity and eloquence. He has given you a grim prognostication of our national future, but where he foresees apocalypse, I see hope. I see a new nation ready to take its place in the world. Not an empire, but a republic, and a republic of laws, not men. Gentlemen, we are in the very midst of revolution, the most complete, unexpected, and remarkable of any in the history of the world. How few of the human race have ever had an opportunity of choosing a system of government for themselves and their children. I am not without apprehensions, gentlemen. But the end we have in sight is more than worth all the means. says that the hour has come. My judgment approves this measure and my whole heart is in it. All that I have, all that I am, and all that I hope in this life, I am now ready to stake upon it. While I live Let me have a country. A free country.
0: All right, so before um uh, I'm sure we're gonna in the timeline get to this point where we're gonna cover what's going on there, but just to briefly let us know what, what like what is this meeting, what is he really saying? there was a lot of fancy words there what uh what is he really talking about
2: well it's a lot of a lot of great fancy words. I love listening to these guys reading their stuff they've got a lot of fancy words uh but that's one of the questions uh that should be answered is why did they go from being loyal british subjects as they would put it to let's start a brand new country and let's separate ourselves from this person king george the third who i mean as far as definitionally what made you an englishman was you had a king of england you had a king of britain uh that's what tied you together with um, those people. The British people still living on the continent, right? Or on the island. You were on the continent, but you were all Englishmen. It was the same king who ruled over you. So what what happened? That would be the question okay. that we should look into. Um, because, I, I put it that way, because a lot of people, what they do is they'll just say, well, uh, here's, list off bad things they did. Let's list off things they were hypocritical about and go that's what this country was founded on well when you say the founding the founding is it's the why we went from one nation to another so answering that question why that is really the founding does that make sense if they're being hypocritical if george washington owns some slaves like he's hypocritical but he's not that he separated himself from great britain because great britain was trying to take away his slaves then I would say, well, yeah, then our country's founded on slavery. But if that's if something else is going on, right, then you're founded on that thing. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So really quick,
0: tell me about this hat. This is a cool hat uh, that uh, Ryan <laughs> went out of his way to uh, get well, me. Well,
2: um, you You got the uh, tricorn hat I uh, got from Amazon. Uh, the kids were supposed to come to a thing called Liberty Camp. but got canceled. Uh, Apparently, all the summer camps everywhere are suffering with enrollment. I only got four. I need to get at least six. I uh, can't have just... Do, yeah. you,
1: do you have any other dates coming up? Uh, no, because like I was trying to do it.
2: Uh, Literally, it was this week. It was supposed to be because it's the week before, before July. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's, uh, I only got four. Um, yeah. So part of their project is they were going to get that hat and they had to make their little uh, cockades on the side. Um, so what are, what is this white thing right here? It's my attempt at a cockade cockade what like, is a cockade it's just like a ribbon typically it's fully round i had to go through experiments i had to create something that a first grader could make uh typically you put uh. on your hats uh that time period they might represent well if you had a fancier one you were obviously more rich uh you're more distinguished uh, but they might put like i think at that time they would put pink on the officers and see if you saw a, uh saw someone with a pink cockade on their tricorn hat you knew that was an officer Also, we had the cockade of the American Franco alliance. Our first allies were the French. I believe that was like, it was a black cockade with a white middle that represented our alliance. So we would wear one and they would wear one.
1: So this was kind of like, uh, it was kind of like part of a military uniform almost. Yeah, yeah.
2: It's like fashion slash signifier, like uh, insignias.
1: And it kind of also denoted rank, you said, a little bit?
2: Yeah, I think in the early days we, we initiated something like that.
1: Yeah, that's that's okay. interesting. Oh right. you had to have
2: a, you had to have a, you couldn't just have a hat. You had to have a cockade on it.
1: Well, and, and uh, you know, it's, it's interesting <laughs> the the different ways that uh different cultures display military yeah. rank and insignia. I know that in the United States we do it a lot on our shoulders, right? The shoulders have uh, when you're in the yeah, military, the range, shoulders the have uniform, your rank. Believe, yeah. What else? What other parts of
2: the uniform? Well, do you're, you're looking for oh. like, a modern, the, like a regular uniform. You're looking for right here, mm-hmm. that bat, and right here. Okay. And you just look over and you go, "Oh, it's a private." Or, "Oh, that's a captain, sir." You got to stop what you're doing saluting, so.
1: Um, cuz I know to kind of tie this into the Bible a little bit. In biblical times, uh the hem of your robe, so kind of like around your waist, was where you would look for somebody's rank and insignia. And so uh it's just interesting how that's changed. So when you see something in the Bible that says that they touched the hem or uh at one point uh King David cuts the hem off of uh, king saul's uh, uh clothing that was seen as him almost like cutting off his lineage in a certain way um and so it's just oh, interesting wow. the way interesting. that those yeah. uh ranks and, and the way that you show your you know your family heritage has changed
2: yeah so this is this is a time period where so we would say it's modern history they're coming out of feudal europe where it's like my lord you got your lords you still kind of have that they're still hereditary lords uh but in America, we're getting to the point where we're going, does this really make sense? And we're, we're, we're But you still have that. So at that point in time, it would say someone was a gentleman. And a gentleman was someone who didn't have to work with their hands. So like George Washington, he had so much land, he'd be considered a gentleman. Or they might say Esquire. You have a certain amount of wealth. They still had like... But if you were like Paul Revere, you're a goldsmith, they would call you a mechanic. You work with your hands. So you still had a place in society. Well, at the same time... We're going to get to the point of uh all men are created equal so you see you're coming out of that world to something new that's the whole
1: well and, and you said that there were lords like in the uh the army or the military right and could there be like a lord that in... was in charge of stuff because he had
2: yeah that's what that uh uh a commission was in the uh, british so you're coming out of a world where if you're a noble right you're you get to be in charge but people still then would buy their military commissions mm-hmm especially in the British army. And then in the continent army it gets a little different because they're just power appointing dudes. Yeah. That Congress is just appointing. We have no army. We have no structure. We don't have anything to sell you. They're just appointing people. Well, and, and who they're appointing? Gentlemen.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, and it's, it's interesting how uh, that, um, that, that change, you know, that because we had that break from the British, now our system is almost entirely meritocratic. Right. It's, yes. it's based off of how good you are at your job, hopefully in the best yeah. case scenario.
2: One of the interesting guys uh, side thing. I like the story of the war. We're going to talk about the political side. The, the war itself is incredible. Uh, Revolutionary war. But there's this guy from New York. His name's uh, William Alexander, a.k.a. Lord Sterling. You go, who is this guy? Well, he was he was born in New York and I guess he was in some sort of line to become the Lord of Sterling back in Scotland. So someone died, I don't know the whole story or uh, the whole thing but uh, someone died and he's like okay I'm going to leave New York the home, my, my, at this point that's his birthplace to go back to Scotland. When I say we're, we're British back then, that's what I'm talking about like they're British. Yeah. Uh, he's about to go back to Britain to Scotland to go take his lordship but then something happened where they they passed some law, they gave it to someone else. So here's William Alexander, the would-be lord or they, they kind of his nickname is Lord Sterling <laughs> stays in new york and after the declaration of independence he becomes a general in the continental army uh leads i think it's the maryland 400 the battle of brooklyn heights gets taken prisoner and i'm like i mean how one little thing and he's he's a scottish lord fighting on their side against us yeah but now he's an american it's just how entrenched
1: I, i don't think this was the point you were trying to make but uh is it also possible that that's kind of in that's kind of an indication of what the british were doing across the board to a lot of american citizens where they yes would pass some a weird... lot of
2: people see that symbolic of what's happening to them uh, a lot of what's going on here is um like george washington himself he fights the french indian war on behalf of the british and during that time period he realizes the british army does not treat continental militia like they're equal parts here they definitely see themselves as a superior people and you know it's like a whole thing um So back to that question I was saying, what would make those British people say, no, we're not going to even be British anymore. We're going to make a different country. Uh, And to me, the answer is uh, liberty. This thing called liberty, uh, that's what's going to make the the cause. And the other question we're going to look at as a a Christian podcast is how much was uh, religion in general, right, important? And was it Christian? Because there's this claim by a lot of secular historians that, um, all the founding fathers were, well, they might have been Christians, but their thinking, their thought process was very secular, and they were trying to establish a secular state. Um, Even a lot of Christians today, I mean, I'm arguing with Christians on Facebook telling me (laughs) that we're overplaying how religious they are. And and in this whole argument, I'm quoting people, and he's quoted nobody. He's just informing (laughs) me that this is how they thought. I'm quoting founding fathers. I'm quoting them using words like the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then they're telling me, well, they could just be general Christian moralists. I'm like, He said the gospel of Jesus Christ, and he's using that as his reference for why the state of New York is implementing uh, religious freedom in their constitution. It's like, what do you need? To, so over and over again, you're going to see this. So, um, so like I said, liberty. I'm going to start by quoting... Um, my favorite founding father, Samuel Adams. Well, there's a sad thing when you see him in media, he's presented as like the street gang rebel rouser. And they present John Adams. So we saw a clip of it's like the, like the serious guy. Right. But it's kind of like,
0: no, nah, Samuel, Samuel Adams. Adams makes great beer. That's what it is. Yeah.
2: Yeah. He's like a drunken <laughs> Bostonian street gang guy. In no, other words, there was a lot of those guys during that time period. Um, But John Adams or Samuel Adams, you're going to find out he's 10 years older than his brother about. Or Sorry, his cousin, Samuel Adams, or John Adams. He's like 10 years older. He's the most pious and elegant founding father I could ever find. He's like a Harvard grad. And every time I read him, I'm like, oh, my gosh. Sometimes I refer to him as the last Puritan. Uh, He's also referred to as the father of the revolution. So uh, I like his definition of liberty. Let's, Let's read this together. In a state of nature, every man has a right to think and act according to the dictates of his own mind, which in the that state are subject to no other and can be commanded by no other power than the laws and ordinances of the great creator of all things does that mean did you catch that so that's one of our founding fathers
0: this acknowledging is samuel
2: this is samuel adams he has a, he wrote an essay or a, uh, article on liberty he's trying to find it so in a state of nature every man can act as a right to think and act according to dictates of their own mind. so the state of nature what he's saying is your natural way of being is that no one's bossing you around except for god himself creator. does that make sense oh there's another myth that he <laughs> yeah. doesn't just use the word god he says the creator of all things <laughs> and that's uh, supposed to be like when you hear supposedly you hear these guys saying deity or they don't use the word god outright That's supposed to be proof that they're not re- they're like half in the bible half out like no it's just they're very eloquent in speaking which you'll see, so he's saying that's what's supposed to happen, but of course we know from the Bible what happens the state what happens to mankind at the beginning of the Bible we uh, they rebel rebel, so that's why he says here, and had mankind continued in that innocent and happy state in which the sacred writings represent them at first graded, what are the sacred writings scripture clearly scripture and yeah right, yeah, so he's <laughs> saying if <laughs> mankind, that's Adam and Eve had they stayed that way, right? Uh, like the Bible says, Genesis one, it is possible that this liberty would have been like liberty, I mean to literally do whatever you want, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Except when God says, "Don't eat this fruit. But the natural state is literally to do whatever you want. And then when God says, "Hey, walk over here, you do that. Not having some dude called a king or a duke a police officer say, "Hey, you can't be on this side of the street type thing. Um, well, had they so had they not sinned basically? Uh, this liberty been enjoyed to such perfection as to have rendered the embodiment into civil society and securing human laws, human laws, altogether needless. Does that make sense? Sorry, what was that again? Um... Um, so he's saying if we hadn't ascended sinned, basically, mm-hmm. we wouldn't have governments. Yeah. That's his theory, right? So this is how he's thinking about liberty. He's thinking about government. Um, and this is where you get the idea of um, limited government, if you know that phrase. So you have a government because men are sinful and they're going to go around stealing and killing people, right? Stealing from people, killing. So you have a government, as the Bible says in Romans 13, with a sword Mm -hmm. to chop those guys down. Uh, But he's saying, so that's the idea. So, but the natural state still is for man to be free. They're not supposed to be bossed around by the police. So you limit what the police and the governors and the Kings Are are doing because they're supposed to be governing, uh, in a sense that they're putting down sin, putting down human evil, and protecting each other. So that's where we're getting. See how we see this is a biblical thinking. All right, so here's the uh, question here. Um, sorry, that's okay. This is a question. Someone
0: has to be in charge of somebody up, up, so it's necessary.
2: Yeah. So here's the question he asks. Uh, it has been a question. much controverted in the world. What form of government is best and what system of liberty is best consulted and preserved? Or is this liberty best consulted and preserved? So what form of government could we have in which this liberty is your natural state best preserved? And then he says this. I cannot say that I am wholly free from prejudice uh, of that prejudice that generally possesses men in favor of their own country. Um, so, ah, do you guys feel the same way?
1: Oh, absolutely! I I love my country. <laughs> right.
2: So, do you think America, if we had to answer the question, or so far at least in the history of the world, do you think it's America? Do you think it's America has the best form? Uh, okay, the... Took any pre- So he's saying he's saying I acknowledge my prejudice. So go ahead, feel free. Are you prejudiced about your own country? Oh, for sure. yeah Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Are you yeah here's a curveball. Sure. You ready for the curveball? Here's a curveball. Here's a curveball. <laughs> On my own part, there is no form of civil government that I have heard of that appears to me so well calculated to preserve this blessing, liberty, or to secure to its subjects all the most valuable advantages of civil society as the English. (laughs) Curveball. Yep. This was written in 1748. There is no such thing as the United States of America. So I, I read that. Curveball, he says the English, the English form of government this is what we're getting here. The English form of government is the best form of government. Uh, You'd say, what the heck is the English form of government? As They would call the English constitution. Um, So the way it would work, and of course, it's not like our great constitution that was, they sat down in one room at one time and hammered the whole thing out and presented that to the public and said, this is it, right? That's our constitution. This is like a series of civil war english civil war and the glorious revolution but the idea is um you have a king but he's not all powerful this isn't like the king of france uh where everyone has to you know do everything he says but instead of having you have a king who's a powerful head of the military um uh so you have that guy and he's actually the pinpoint that uh links all englishmen together uh, uh governmental wise as they would put it right um you'll see that um you have something called the Parliament. Uh that's the lawmakers. Uh these are the people that are voted in by the British citizens. That's a key point. And because they are voted in by the British c- citizens, they represent the British citizens, which means they get to be the lawmakers.
1: So uh in the, in this parliament, what is there a is there something like a parliament in our government
2: today? Yes, we would call that the House of Representatives.
1: Okay. And so- and this uh, is the entire parliament elected, or is there par- different parts of it? There's
2: different parts. So in their parliament, they. So thank you. Their, their parliament, they would have the House of. So this is they have the House of Lords, and that's like a hereditary thing. So they, but then there's the um, the House of Commons, where the commoners get to vote in their representatives. The idea is they represent the people, and because they represent the people, um, they get to make the laws. And the linchpin for british theory here legal theory is who gets to tax people for some reason that's the one thing so the king can wage a war but he doesn't get the right to tax you to raise that war so that was a separation there separation see those words um so the house of commons can raise uh taxes um they're the only people who can raise the taxes right that is represented in our current constitution because the house of representatives are the only people who can raise taxes
1: all, all anything any expenditure of money
2: yes yes
1: just to start in the house so it's
2: yeah. the, the 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 central legal issue for some reason it all gets put into this who has the power to tax right who has the power to tax and that power of tax has to be related to your whichever government represents the people which would be the house of commons now the colonies at that time um government instituted literally worked the same way so but but they would have a governor like massachusetts has a governor that governor got there because the king directly appointed him and then they would have a house of representatives massachusetts house of representatives uh, i think in pennsylvania they called it the assembly and virginia it's the house of burgesses because why not let's be fancy <laughs> but these are all the representatives that are voted in directly by the people right um and then each one of those colonies, most of them, and some of them are a little weird, uh, the governor appoints. Unless you're in Rhode Island, you get to vote for your governor because it's not universal. But that's the simple idea right there. Uh, simple but complicated. And then there's the jury system. God, Thank God for the jury system. The English have a jury of your peers, right? So if you get accused of a crime, the person who decides your innocence or guilt is, like, if you're a baker, it's the regular dudes on the street, right? You don't have, a, like, five noblemen looking down at you in your raggedy shirt, right? So you have a jury of your peers, and they get to decide if you're innocent or guilty. So the state, the people in charge trying to punish you for a crime, right, uh, they got to prove it to someone else. That's not even part of the government. Make sense? They got to prove it to a people. So that means that's how the people have power within this system. Not perfect. Yeah. Kind of confusing. Um, so what happens... Yeah, any questions,
1: Austin? Nope. Oh, you're muted. Oh, you're Sorry. muted? No, not yet. Well, that's why I couldn't um, hear you. <laughs> no, so, I wasn't
0: talking, but um, I'm still trying to just kind of wrap my mind around everything that you're saying. When, cre- when questions pop up, I'll definitely... Yeah, so... Um, uh,
1: yeah, what you're talking about here, it, it, this is the... This is where our idea here in the United States of separation of powers comes from. Yes, like you've used, yes. used the word separation a few times. Yes, that's yeah. Um, so I just wanted to state that for everybody if you, you know, took your yeah. high school civics as class. As awesome as the
2: US- United States is, it's not like we just completely invented something completely brand new. We were going to do something different and new, but it's not like a hundred, it's not like, I mean, we have a Senate, for example. I mean, where did that come from?
1: Yeah, well, and and that's kind of a proxy for the House of Lords, and yeah. originally our Senate was appointed by the state, so they were kind of like the American version of a Lord. Yeah, they were they were actual senators, right? They're not senators and, anymore, you know. And so then our House of Representatives is like the House of Commons, and it's interesting to see how that all morphs and changes. Yeah.
2: Um. So everything's great in the world of Samuel Adams. He lives in the most, you know, best constitution. And then what happens is uh, this thing called the French and Indian War. Uh, basically, the French were over here too with their own colonies. Uh, this guy named George Washington, he's like a young guy in the Virginia militia. He goes off to send him a letter, say, get out of the Ohio country. This is British land. They say no. He goes back with an army, shoots some guys, first little battle, starts something called the French and Indian War, which is almost like a world war fought over North America um and like i say world war because the british got colonies french got colonies in asia everywhere uh, we, uh british win um we take the ohio country um it's like western Pen- ohio um east no western pennsylvania that whole area we take it um and the way the british win that war because we lose it really bad in the beginning the way they win that war is they just spend tons of money they just spend tons of money they just outspend the french Uh, So basically what happens is parliament says, wow, we're in debt um, over this war. What are we going to do? So they decide to pass a simple little insignificant tax on sugar, sugar, just a little tax on sugar. But this tax on sugar would be paid in and by the colonies, uh, the 13 colonies. Um, And yeah, from there uh not everybody freaks out but a guy samuel adams freaks out um does not like this law it's not a huge tax not like it's going to destroy the economy or anything just one little tax on uh sugar but why does he say you can't tax us well because you're putting a tax on people that didn't have a vote in the tax we would say taxation without representation so this is The British Parliament is passing a tax in Great Britain. They don't ask the colonies who have their own legislatures to raise taxes, right? They don't ask them, "Oh, do you approve this tax?" Where they just pass it, say it's now a law.
1: So, uh, just to be clear, in this system, the American, the, the citizens of Britain that live in America at this time, yes, they're not Americans yet; they're still British citizens. Yes they don't have a member of parliament that they elected they do
2: not have a member of parliament uh in the island of great britain okay they do have representatives
1: uh, in their own local yeah, legislature in their,
2: in their that is their legislature
1: but and then does that legislature have any impact on the parliament
2: no what they okay. would have is they would might vote for this like benjamin franklin does this job these times they might vote someone as like sort of like their ambassador type person so to ba- go talk on their behalf but he's not a member of their parliament
1: yeah so it's almost it's there's a very similar thing today uh with like the territories of the united states so yes if you're a, if you live in a territory of the united states you don't get a u.s member of the house but there's a person that can go and be a liaison between the house and your territory yeah yeah, he
2: doesn't have any official say over that body but he's, yeah. he's there um so uh let me read from let me show you how this worked too. This is a document called The Instructions to the Boston Representatives. Basically, Boston, it's not just Massachusetts, it's the city of Boston, the town of Boston is gonna have like, you know, their name's gonna pop up over and over again. So um, but this is a town meeting they had, and in the town meeting, they're gonna write a letter to the people they voted in office, their representative. That's why it's the instructions. So get this. They didn't just vote for the people. They have a town meeting to write those guys they voted for a letter to say, this is what we expect you to do. Yeah. Make sense? And one of the things they say is that you need to go over there and oppose the Stamp Act, or the, the at this point, just the Sugar Act. Make sense? mm mm-hmm. Oh, um, uh, let's see. Okay. So this is what they say. Oh, and the, the reason Sammy Adams comes up, because they would always choose him to write the letter and then vote for it. He was the one... So he kind of gets to have the voice. So if you're an eloquent writer, you get to be start a revolution, I guess. Um, (laughs) Apparently. But what still heightens our apprehensions is that these unexpected proceedings may be uh, preparatory to new taxations upon us. So it's only one tax now, but what if you start doing more? Uh, For our trade, our trade may be taxed. If our trade may be taxed, why not our lands? Why not the produce of our lands and everything we possess or make use of it so what we're talking about is the law itself may only be slightly significant but now you've added the precedent that that's what this is about you have adding the precedent that you guys can just do this whenever you want right um this we apprehend annihilates our charter right to govern and tax ourselves so i says charter rights like i said like when they when they showed up they were given like a constitution basically they called the charter they said you're gonna have a governor he's gonna be appointed by the king but then you guys get to have your own legislature your own little parliament call it what you want but it's a parliament basically right um tax ourselves it strikes at our british privileges what is that british privileges which we have uh, never forfeited we hold in common with our fellow subjects who are natives of britain if taxes are laid upon us in any shape without our having a legal representation there where they are laid are we not reduced from the charter of free subjects to the miserable state of tributary slaves wow (laughs) tributary slaves you know what that is awesome what is he saying there he's Um, saying no (laughs) (laughs) he's saying uh if if you have the power to just tax us, right? Without us having any sort of say. And if that we're tax, basically slaves. Yeah. You're basically a slave. You're a tributary slave. So like what happens in war sometimes is you win a war against another country and the easiest way to make peace instead of fully conquering them is that you guys can pay us three million dollars every year or something. A billion dollars every year. I don't know, I'm trying to go whatever money it would be back then. So that would be the way you'd solve it. So that state becomes a tributary state. They have to pay tribute every year or else you go back to war with them. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah. he's saying that's what will become us. Um, so that's part of the argument. Uh and I find this one hilarious because I looked this up, this document up just for this this issue. But tucked away in this town meeting apparently was a PS side note, which is funny post-COVID because uh here's the PS, here's the side note at the end. The committee do further report the following votes, whereas it hath pleased almighty God. To permit the smallpox to prevail in this town, uh, whereby the inhabitants have been great sufferers, as well by the extraordinary expense it hath occasioned by the loss of business. Therefore, voted the representatives be desired in behalf of the town assembly to move, that the general assembly would afford us such relief under the disasters as they, in their great goodness, shall think proper. Anyway, basically, apparently there was a giant smallpox epidemic. Not like a COVID this was like smallpox, like the real thing.
1: Where there's like actually people like, dying. Yeah, a huge percentage apparently,
2: people are suffering. Yeah. And the first thing to say is please Almighty God to send this to this town. Now, here's the funny part it says, Whereas it is conceived that the selectmen of the town are not sufficiently empowered by the laws already in being to take such steps as may be necessary to prevent the inhabitants of other towns from bringing and spreading infectious dist- distempers among us. Therefore voted the representatives be desired to use their endeavors to obtain such additional power to be given to the selectmen of the general assembly and their wisdom shall think proper to invest in them. Basically what the townspeople are saying is we don't have the power to uh, like stop, stop sick people from coming into our town. We can't quarantine our town. Could you guys please vote on that and vote us the power to have a quarantine is what they're saying. Yeah. So they didn't just say, Oh, well people are dying and,
1: well, they they didn't have a rat poop inspector come in. Yeah, and that uh, you can't operate your business because of COVID. Yeah, they
2: didn't have all that already in place. They like literally people are dying from smallpox, and they're sending a letter as the P.S. side note, the side note.
1: Yeah. Well, and and the,
2: know, the Sugar Act was worse.
1: Well, and this was, this letter was, would have taken days or weeks to get wherever. It yeah, was going, yeah. Right? Well, for
2: the Boston at that point, the Boston happened to be the capital. So, oh, okay. But this was kind of a normal thing for towns to do you'd have a town meeting because mm-hmm. each town would have their own representatives um, but i just think that the side note is we're dying from smallpox the important thing is you better not keep taxing us with this yeah. like this illegal tax right um also people are dying could you please give us the power to do something about it like yeah. that's how committed they are to so unlike the stereotype american i just don't like laws i don't like taxes i just do what i want right it's like no we have proper laws for proper purpose we just want to
0: follow the channels properly yeah yeah all right um so i wanted to approach things kind of in like a timeline way Mm. um when i was a kid they said you know uh, what is it what is hold on 1492 christopher columbus sailed the ocean blue like what's going on with christopher columbus why is like who is christopher columbus and like why is he significant um is he significant
2: well, yeah, he's significant. He's uh, ironically an Italian guy who <laughs> goes to um, the court of Spain, right? Fernando and mm-hmm. Isabella. And, they, and he can, he's trying to find someone to commission his, uh, sh- uh, his uh, sea voyage because he believes so he's from f- Spain. He's Italian, but he goes to Spain. Just to be confused. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. yeah. So, Confusing. so
1: he was born in Italy, and then the only people he could get to fund his expedition were the Spanish. Or so the story nice. goes.
2: Yeah. Okay. I haven't, I haven't done that much thought on Christopher Columbus. The idea is he he's trying to find India, and he thinks he can go there by traveling um, west instead of east, because he thinks the world is round, um, which I hear is a myth that most people back then thought yeah, the world so- was
1: flat. They they knew they actually did know. My understanding is they did know that the Earth was round. What it was is that there wasn't a safe passage. Yeah. So if you think about the time frame, ships weren't sturdy enough to be able to just go across the Atlantic blind, and they didn't have navigation equipment to know exactly where they were. And so if you're sailing across the Atlantic and you run out of supplies, you're just done. And so that's what oh that's what people were afraid of. Not that they didn't think the Earth was round, but they just didn't know if they could even make it that far on their ship or th- they didn't know if there would be islands that way. They, they thought there could be sea monsters or anything, you know?
2: <laughs> yeah. So Get yeah, he, in. he gets to North America. He doesn't know it's North America. Yeah. Um He thinks they're, he's in India. Uh, of course, names everyone Indians. <laughs> um Yeah. But I, 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 it's kind of sad that it's like a, let's hate on Christopher Columbus now. And it's like, well, you wouldn't be here. Uh, for better or worse, you know what I mean, I, I, I wish we would get rid of Columbus Day like people want, and I would call it New World Day, because uh, it's like the New world is like it's a different place, and it's a combination of the native people, mm-hmm. the Spanish, the French, all the people who came here and colonized all the immigrants from Asia who came later on their own accord. Like, like we're a completely different thing going on on this side of the world now it started with columbus um the british get into the exploring north america game late so
1: do you know what do you know what year that would have been would that be
2: 16 something it's the roanoke colony i think it's the late 1500s okay
1: and
0: so you, so you're saying from 1492 with that christopher columbus expedition nothing happens really significant until no no no, no a lot,
2: sorry a, a, no a lot a lot does the the spanish uh start colonizing that means they're going to go set up a they're going to take over the land and stuff uh it's a it's a okay. spanish explorer named america was a this
1: amerigo was not amerigo something like that Amer- yeah
2: yeah okay apparently i'm bad at this history but he gives the name to the entire north and south america yeah amerigo
1: vespucci I yeah he
2: lends his name it's like a spanish name america so the spanish i mean they set up mexico uh basically anywhere where they speak spanish that's that's the spanish colonizing right over here, we speak English, so it's like Mexico, most of South America. The Portuguese take Brazil. The French show up in North America, Canada, and the British. I'm saying they get into the game late. Sorry, thirteen colonies or British colonies. They start showing up.
1: And and did the the British themselves send expeditions here, or who were the the first people that were coming to this part to the east coast? You know, from the who were the first British people of that, North America?
2: Yeah. Uh, spanish are in florida and the french are up in north canada um the english had explored the area but there's a difference in exploring it and sending people to live there okay so getting in the colony game Mm -hmm. i think it's on her queen elizabeth that they they go to virginia called virginia because she's the virgin queen uh they try to set up the Roanoke colony which disappears mysteriously spooky um and it's not till Jamestown they get a our first permanent settlement. Okay. That's like early sixteen hundreds. So where
0: does where does like um
2: pardon my ignorance, where does like Lewis and Clark come in? That is post American Revolution. That's like we've already won the war, Thomas Jefferson's president.
0: Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. we've got Okay, so then i want to talk about roanoke and kind of go further from there um wh- but i want to kind of take a step back from there what time period was uh roanoke when did that happen do you okay, know? so
2: we're talking the end of the uh, 1500s i believe i mean someone fact check me uh they they try to um they try to establish the virginia colony the first attempt is they wind up on an island called Roanoke. Um, I guess the captain goes home. He leaves the people, goes home to get more supplies, comes back. Everyone's gone. And there's just this nice. weird phrase on written on a tree called, uh, was I right? 1585? Yeah. Um, it's just this weird phrase, uh, Krakatoan, just written on the trees. And they're like, uh, what is this? <laughs> they don't know what happened. So it's like a whole thing. Um, it sounds but, like some kind of people group got involved. Yeah, it's know. under <laughs> it's under King James the um that they established jamestown virginia that's like your pocahontas story right there uh john smith that that is successful successful it's pretty hard times they go through this something called the starving time um but a lot of those guys and that expedition are there to make it rich they're looking for gold they don't find any gold but they grow tobacco and they get rich later on um that's that's virginia and then
1: Oh, okay. So you're you're saying that the original settlers of of even the East Coast some were looking for gold as well. Yes, even Roanoke? I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, in
2: Virginia, they were they were like a lot of these dudes were trying to get rich quick. And then John Smith is like, dude, you got to build a house and like hunt for food, and <laughs> not just dig. That's for literally gold. why he's a hero because <laughs> he's like, uh, I'm gonna go try to make friends with these Indians <laughs> and uh, trade with them, and then they take them prisoner. And they're gonna kill him, and then Pocahontas, who wasn't his girlfriend, which is just weird that Disney did that. Pocahontas is like a twelve-year-old daughter of the chief who supposedly likes him. Um, he's able to make friends, even though he doesn't speak their language with them. So Pocahontas like jumps on top of him supposedly and saves his life. And I don't know why Disney has him like as a boyfriend girlfriend thing. It was like she's like a little girl <laughs> at that time. Um, Maybe because Disney's weird. Who knows? Yeah. So then. Then you get the Massachusetts colony, or no, sorry, Plymouth colony. That's your whole pilgrim story. That happens later. Those guys were looking for, they were coming over to Virginia, but they're leaving for a different reason. They're being persecuted um, by the English church for being dissenters, as they would say, or not, uh, or being Puritans and dissenters, because they don't want to obey what the um, obey what the church of england is saying so they're actually so they're
0: just gonna set up camp over here in america they're just hunting for food they're, they're digging for gold well no and no like so go ahead
2: yeah that's virginia yeah yeah, yeah. at first so and I, then I it that,
0: evolves into the colony of massachusetts yeah no okay. no no
2: That that is later i'm saying okay I say so. The, each colony has its own history, yeah. And so reasons like, like oh, okay.
1: Pennsylvania has its own backstory. Each of the thirteen colonies has a, a, a too big of a story to go into in, in detail for each. Yeah, one they're of all them. pretty cool. Um, but it, and I think that the early the people looking for gold were were some of the first people, but I don't think they looked for gold terribly long. Did they like they? No, they started
2: starving, and they and then then there was like the colony almost failed until they realized they could grow tobacco. Okay, and then so, actually, what was the, What actually happens after that time period is that the English mindset towards colonies changes from that of the French and the Spanish colonies where French and Spanish colonies are – they're get rich. They're like, go over there, make a bunch of money, come home, like for trade goods. So like uh, the Spanish, like it's for gold, silver, right? Um, Or they got cash crops. But it's not like the best place to be. In North America, it's like they start writing home like, actually once you settle this place you tear down the trees this is like great farmland this is a great place to live Mm -hmm. come like literally here to live here like and that's the plan right not come here set up a a trading post be in the trading post get rich maybe go home later right like yeah uh, the the english are like chop the trees down baby let's let's settle this place
1: so is that why we see it in the united states you know all of the original founding fathers were Farmers, everybody was kind of yeah, you know, not everybody, but most people were involved. Yeah, it's it's
2: a land grab. They they want land.
0: Okay. Um and so I'm just trying to still establish like in my mind, um when when things first got started. So like what was like the first colony and when do we start to get like a little America going on?
2: That so that would be Virginia. Virginia is the first. Um I think the, the next would be um the Plymouth colony happens later but technically the, like virginia like the border of virginia that we're looking at like they just they're claiming like a lot is virginia so it's like a process but the um Plymouth colony that's your thanksgiving pilgrim people who are living in holland because the church of england is like chopping their ears off and stuff Ooh. <laughs> for for not conforming to what the english church says is christianity so what is christianity what?
0: what were they saying
2: um they would have uh like the uh, the, the bishop of canterbury i believe um the anglican church is the official state church right and so therefore uh-huh. you do church this way um you guys got like it's a thing where like they're throwing um john bunyan in jail for being an unlicensed pastor does that make sense interesting like, okay so the pilgrims so, their little community it's like a church community their church community is illegal
1: yeah, so I think one of the things as a, as a citizen of the United States here in 20, you know, 23, yeah. it's hard for us to comprehend that they, they did not have religious freedom, okay? You were the religion that your king was, basically. Like, you couldn't just convert because you wanted to. Uh, so these preachers would, would try to preach the gospel of Christ, uh, but the Anglican church would be, would be stopping them, and so they had to figure out different ways to go about doing that. Uh, are you looking for something? Why? Yeah,
2: yeah, I got Sammy Adams here. Do you? W- w- yeah, can sorry. you quickly tell me what
0: like a uh, Anglican is?
1: Yeah, so an Anglican is a, a person who is a member of the Church of England, and the Church of England started. I'm gonna really shorten it. It basically started because King Henry VIII wanted to get a divorce, and so um, yeah, was theology like more their theology like leaning towards Christianity or their, the- their theology is we were Roman like Catholic now, and we yeah. wanted a divorce. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. uh, it's, it's confusing it's morphed and evolved over time but that's where it started and like so, a it's small kind of...
0: reformation or something
2: yes so at that time period um it, you got people who are like calvinist types who want to make the church of england like they want to reform the church of england and make it more uh biblical right and then you got people like th- they call called dissenters who are like no no established church at all have your own church and like over there, in your house. That's fine. Um, you got you got a mix of things, and in the founding era, founding fathers, they're gonna be you got Anglicans, Presbyterians, you got all these different groups.
1: Well, and and so when we say founding fathers, we're talking about people from all the different colonies. So yeah. like Pennsylvania was started as a colony. What what uh, for the Quakers, right?
2: Well, a Quaker started it. Yeah. yeah.
1: So it was started, and then a bunch of Quakers showed up, and it well, has some Quakers complicated history. Uh, you know, Virginia was started by people that are probably pretty loyal More Anglican, to, yeah. To her, you know, the Queen, and so each colony and, and the people from those colonies are going to be colored by that that history.
2: Yeah. Uh, okay. Um. Did you did you have something oh that you wanted gosh. to read? Oh, I was going to say yeah. This and this. Remember the essay on liberty? It's funny because Samuel Adams, he's looking back. And he says, our our fathers had so severely felt the effects of tyranny and the weight of the bishops' yoke, the bishops, right, uh, that they underwent the greatest difficulties and toils to secure to themselves and transmit to their posterity those invaluable blessings. And we, their posterity, are this, this day reaping the fruits of their toils. But he's remembering, yeah, we left those bishops behind. So one of the things about the religious persecution in the colonies is that it was a it was like a loophole to stay english but then practice religious freedom so you could go to the colonies in the name of the king start an english colony over here so <laughs> you could keep your english identity and still be loyal to the king but then ignore the laws is <laughs> you're not directly under the bishop's yoke right
0: uh, sounds like that's how china has it, to it, be a christian too it, you got to play the game of, to get to America. yeah that's sort of what they did which and then... is <laughs>
2: And then they, they call it, then it's sometimes referred to the benign neglect, where the British kind of went, eh, they're over there doing a thing. And then later they got big and important. Then the British were like, wait a second, let's tax these people. Like,
0: Hold on, let's pump the brakes on them. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so when did we get, what, what time period was the 13th colony finally there and we became well, I the 13th like colony? Georgia
2: doesn't even get a, Georgia's the last one, I believe. It gets established in like the 1730s. 1730s okay it's like a
1: penal colony or something so yeah basically. i understand
0: that our okay sorry go ahead Ryan. no
1: no, that's okay sorry
0: um i understand that our flag is transforming and kind of upgrading as the colonies are starting to um get added and stuff like that so just a little bit of history about the flag um where did our flag come from who made it how did it kind of progress and evolve
2: the 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 american flag you got to have the united states of america for first
0: ah uh, okay did we have There's, colony
2: flags um i think they, they probably would have they would have symbols related to the colony yeah so each okay. colony
1: would have had their own <clears throat> their own flags and, the, and, and markings and,
2: well, were like we the united did it, they ever get to the point
0: where we're like the united 13 colonies was it like a pre-america at some point
2: yes that's when the war well, starts oh
0: okay so but we haven't got there all right yet. so 17 all right, where how do you wanna um I was gonna take it from the 1730s and start moving forward, but go saying, for it. What do you want to So saying
2: wanna... so like you got the colonies and you got them, they're British, they're charters, they and then this like I said, the the uh government wants to tax them over okay. the French Indian War, right? That we read about that. Um then the Sugar Act was an annoyance. Uh, a lot of people don't like it, but then they parliament passes the uh stamp act you heard of the stamp act um i've heard of it i this uh, is where is it this, taxing stamps or taxing where, <laughs> no 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 it's a tax on anything that's uh, like printed that uses a stamp no 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 so like if i wrote an essay on am printed and i printed it in the newspaper you would have you could only legally print it on a <laughs> piece of paper that had a stamp
1: Oh, and that stamp was provided
2: okay. and you bought it from the, the the british parliament's like ministers so they would send these they... stamp collectors over here they're basically tax collectors uh i was they gonna have, say this they've is got... when the
0: government starts to get their hands yeah, in everything they've right. got this
2: they've got this it's like the dumbest idea ever it, not only is it it's it's bad on principle it's like a dumb way of doing things but so they got these giant stacks of paper right with government approved stamps and you have to buy it from them because so if i find you with a newspaper that doesn't Penn have the stamp, stamp on stamp. it you're now you and whoever you're in violation of the law right uh and they, i think they said you're it's you could be punished for treason and death without without the right of clergy or whatever they would say oh my for nope. not having uh the government. yeah yeah, that, yeah the, the right without clergy is like a bureaucratic thing where you could you'd be you'd be convicted under civil law but then you could appeal to clerical law. They said no, you can't appeal to clerical law if you do this. It was like a whole thing. So this Dang. like
1: and no wonder no wonder freedom of the press was such, was such an important thing to our founding fathers. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. So the stamp act leads to basically riots in Boston. This is where you get the image of a tarring and feathering is that the uh, tea
0: party are we getting to the tea party yeah, soon? We'll, we'll is that, that. What
2: that is we're getting there uh, <laughs> that's also over taxes so but this is like the dumb one this is like their first attempt uh to really okay. tax the snot out of us i guess um yeah it does not received well in the colonies so there's like it leads to riot it leads to like the lieutenant governor massachusetts having his house burned and the head stamp collector Oof. having his house like ransacked um <sighs> And this is where like the image of Sam Adams is this like rebel rousing like street punk comes from. Because um, there was some of that, but there's also the political element of it too. Um a lot the politicians weren't calling for that, but like people are just incensed. It's like crazy, uh, this law. Um and I could actually what what is the argument for the Americans? Uh what happens down in Virginia is this young um politician from Virginia named patrick henry stands up in their legislative body they call it the house of burgesses and he gives um he proposes five resolutions in opposition to the stamp acts and i actually really like this document because if you just read this it like makes the entire case for what the columnist opinion is i have ryan over here if you want to read it all right do these five of
1: these the virginia stamp act resolutions 1765 Resolved that the first adventurers and settlers of His Majesty's colony and Dominion of Virginia brought with them and transmitted to their posterity and all other His Majesty's subjects since inhabiting in this His Majesty's said colony all the liberties, privileges, franchises, and immunities that have at any time been held, enjoyed, and possessed by the people of Great Britain. Resolved that by two... Oh, sorry.
2: Do I understand that, man? I'll put it in normal um, No. Uh, normal Yeah, because mine has to do um,
0: gymnastics in order to understand this. I need the NLT for um, the yes, way these I'll guys write The NLT, uh, version. The, the NLT <laughs> version is
2: when our, when our forefathers left Britain to start a colony over here, they, the same rights that they had there, they brought with them. They didn't stop being free oh, okay. people just because they got in a boat. They didn't stop the being Britishmen. Yeah. Yes, yep. exactly. That's what that means. Yep. Um,
1: All right, so that's number one. Number two. Number two. Resolved that by two royal charters granted by King James the First, the colonists aforesaid are declared entitled to all liberties, privileges, and immunities of denizens and natural subjects, to all intents and purposes, as if they had been abiding and born within the realm of England. So it's just basically reiter- reiterating that.
2: Yeah. Well, this is this was saying we have a natural right mm-hmm. that we brought with us. That we keep wherever we go. This is saying not only that, but the king literally told us by law, by charter, we have the same rights as, as if we were still living in England.
1: So it would be enough for the first point to be true. Yes. But to double that double down. Double down by right, by natural right, and by this actual piece of paper that we can point to. Yes. All right. Uh, three. So resolved that the taxation of the people by themselves or by persons chosen by themselves to represent them who can only know what taxes the people are able to bear or the easiest method of raising them and must themselves be affected by every tax laid on the people is the only security against a burdensome taxation and the distinguishing characteristic of British freedom without which the ancient constitution cannot exist.
2: Basically, they're saying, you know, this idea of taxation without representation, it's, it's a thing um it's the only way to make sure we're free and he references the british constitution right The ancient constitution of britain that's what he's saying there right he's so you can't re- just do stuff without us voting on it is basically yeah right. he's reminding everyone what taxation or that representation is well um, and i i think
1: one of the one of the most important parts of this is uh and must themselves be affected by every tax laid yes. on the people so like if you go look at the Bible, Matthew was a tax collector in the Bible, and at that time, what a tax collector did is he just went up to the people and got whatever he taxes he could. He didn't have to pay those taxes himself, and it actually, in a, in excess of whatever money he raised that he was required to give to the, uh, the authorities, the Roman authorities, he could keep in excess of that. And so... What tax collectors would do before in, in ancient times just is cheat people. They would just cheat people left and right, take as much as they could get, and do whatever they could. And that and that obviously is a huge burden on the population. So this is just reiterating that. Yeah. Any taxes that are being collected have to be collected from the tax collector too, because that's yeah. gonna yeah. that's gonna. So you know, can't
2: have a system where the people pass the tax laws aren't affected by it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. All right, number four. Uh, resolved that his majesty's liege, pro- liege people of, the, of this his most ancient and loyal colony have without interruption enjoyed the inestimable right of being governed by such laws, respecting their internal policy and taxation, as are derived from their own consent with the approbation of their sovereign or his substitute, and that the same has never been forfeited or yielded up, but has been constantly recognized by the kings and people
2: of Great Britain. You're basically saying... We've always done it this way. <laughs> so we've always done it this way, guys. Why are you trying, Why are you changing it now? And if you notice it, yeah. the king substitute, that's the governor mm-hmm. saying you have your governor over here. Like we're already part of the system. Why are you changing it? As an idea. All right. Here's number five. Here's here's the good one. Number five, by the way, they voted for and then went oh, the next day and got rid of it because they were like, okay, we went too far. But uh. <laughs> all right. So this one apparently gets
1: retracted. Yeah. It radical. Uh, Therefore, that the General Assembly of this colony have the only and exclusive right and power to lay taxes and impositions upon the inhabitants of this colony, and that every attempt to vest such power in any person or persons whatsoever, other than the General Assembly aforesaid, has a manifest tendency to destroy British as well as American freedom. (laughs) too radical. 4th of July Fireworks. Uh, of July.
2: <laughs> so th- this 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 is the stamp act. So when Patrick Kenny proposed these, they didn't just go, "Yeah, these sound great." Um uh they actually have a huge debate. Someone accuses uh Henry of treason because he he reminds people that Julius Caesar was once a tyrant and he got stabbed to death and so did King Charles. He got he got <laughs> or uh, and and while he's saying this, they start screaming treason, treason and he goes uh, his famous, like, one-up line is, like, if this be treason, make the most of it. <laughs> it's his famous line. And they Barely this by a uh, narrow margin. And even, like, this young politician named George Washington was there, and he voted for it. And he was supposed to do the right thing and vote with the old-timers. But he votes for, votes for this radical, radical idea of, uh, you know, freedom, right, I guess. Um, now, so, like, is it the Stamp Act? Uh doesn't go very well. The uh British repeal the stamp act. They get rid of it. So they pass it. No one's paying the tax, by the way. No one's like people are just like doing crazy stuff like printing newspapers and reading newspapers without the Oh, it got so crazy. You had to uh if you wanted to have a the the funny one is like a deck of playing cards, to play some poker. It had to have a little stamp on the cards. On each card? Yeah, I think so. Like <laughs> stupid. So I mean Or maybe like the box or something. Imagine some drunken colonists like, trying to play poker, and they're like, I ain't got no stamp. They're like, that's not going to happen. Some so.
1: tax collector walks up in the
2: bar. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Get out of here, Tory. say <laughs> they would call you a Tory. So if you're a Tory at this time, that means you agree with these measures, and you think Britain should be governing the colonies. If you're a patriot, you think the colonies should govern themselves. That's what those...
1: What exactly is a Tory? What well, were the
2: Tories Tory? calling the Tory's, Patriots? Tory was a specific political party. Oh, okay. It was a political But then party. they just start calling anyone who's Pro British government at this point, and what what they're doing a to Tory. Uh, this is this is like a uh, pre-commie, and commie. Sam Adams <laughs> people <laughs> be part of like a political party called Whigs. <laughs> They'd be the Whigs, uh, but, like Tories, right? Yeah, the,
1: those were the orig- two original parties in the United States.
2: Uh, oh, yeah, Whigs. Yeah, we had Whigs at least. Did we have Tories? Tories, no, no. no okay. Tories, we got rid. Of. Okay, you don't want to be a Tory. Um. Anyway, so Parliament gets rid of this law, and when they Get rid of this law. They pass another law called the Declaratory Act. Okay? This is important. Um, they say, okay, that was dumb. Sorry about that. But let me, just, just in case you want to know, colonies, we're going to declare something to you. Here's our declaration. That's what this is. It's, By the way, because this is like a back and forth. What we're seeing here is a back and forth political struggle, right? What they say okay. is the said colonies and plantations in America have been, are, and of right ought to be subordinate unto the, it's the opposite of what Henry was saying, right? He was saying, no, we've never been like that. Uh, He's saying they are and ought to be subordinate unto, independent upon the imperial crown and parliament of Great Britain, and that the king's King's majesty by and with the advice and consent of the Lord's spiritual, that's that's the Anglican church, by the way, uh, and temporal, that's the government, right, and commons of Great Britain, and Parliament assembled had had ha- had half and of right ought to have the power and authority to make laws and statutes of sufficient force and validity to bind the colonies and people of America subjects of the crown of Great Britain and there's the last part in all cases whatsoever in all cases. <laughs> okay so they said sorry that law sucked why, uh, why by are the way if we want to right do now, a worse yeah, yeah, yeah if we want to do a worse law later we have the right to do it <laughs> in all cases whatsoever that little phrase right there did not go well and that's where that's where we've so start with just tax law we're gonna to try to tax you that sounds diabolical like nothing yeah, you yes, can do will ever stop no, me <laughs> one of the hilarious things is like how bad they are at this like okay <laughs> That phrase in all cases whatsoever is going to show up in our Declaration of Independence. Mm, we uh-oh. quote that little line right there. <laughs> we say, "Oh, he's—they've said they can like legislate in all cases whatsoever." So no, screw them, right? So in all cases whatsoever. So what happens is, um, some time goes by. Then Parliament. There was this guy named uh, Townsend. I think it was Robert Townsend. I forget his name. Who, A.K.A. Champagne Charlie. Uh, that was his name, fairly. Ooh that sounds like a cool name champagne charlie (laughs) says guys i got it here's how we're gonna get some revenue let's tax the colonies again but that stamp act was dumb so let's just tax them on things like random things like lead and sugar or tea let's tax them on tea i think there's a glass but just a bunch of just random, like things. incremental imports well, and exports. That
0: way, like, yes. yeah, okay. Well, oh that, no, no, that, that makes the, sense. That was
2: the key. So they would say, <laughs> "This is an import duty. This is different than the Stamp Act. This is an import duty. So this is only a tax as you import these items." Now the problem too here is that the colonies at this point don't have a large industry. Like, they're not, they're not like a large industrial place like London, England, right? That's where the industry is, right? So they're importing everything.
1: <laughs> All the finished goods. All the so finished they, they, goods. They'd eat probably what they grew and, and what they um, raised locally.
2: And certain, and certain metallurgy stuff, like, we didn't have, like, huge foundries. Yeah. So we couldn't, like, we weren't just, like, pumping out, like, iron, right? Or, uh, you might get the rocks out of the here. Yeah, like, you got to you gotta import the actual finished product. Yeah from the mines right over here and then like you can work on it. Well, and the, the, work the, with the, it, yeah. So I think it was like that was like lead. Why did they say lead well, cuz we weren't making lead well. well,
1: specifically lead would be would be a way of taxing uh revolts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So oh, yeah. The, yeah, lead. They used for like yeah, guns. Yeah. They they literally if you as a revolutionary war soldier, you'd have your own lead that you would melt down every night to form yeah. new balls for your musket.
2: And um even <laughs> at what? that even oh. at that, um, and at that point, um, a lot of people Hadn't clothes... shot with a pure lead musket yeah. ball? That, well,
1: that's, it's still pure lead today. So
2: um, one th- cool thing too is that the, we still imported our clothing from Great Britain because mm-hmm. that's where the textile manufacturing was. Um, okay. And we didn't have a lot of sheep over here, I guess. Um, at that point, like, we hadn't gotten to the sheep industry yet. So we had to import our wool clothes. And so what happens at this point is one of the ways you protest this is by wearing your clothes over and over again and restitching it and so this is where the age of uh they say the age of homespun comes from where the idea of like there's some old lady knitting in the corner that wasn't happening until this act now it's like the patriotic thing to do is get the get yeah. the, the women that are going to make clothes because we're not going to buy well, it, clothes it, from great britain right now it also i like the,
0: that yeah. attitude i like it
2: <laughs> yeah so so um yeah this is not received well either because remember this is this isn't the first one they did. This is like post all cases whatsoever. So we know what you're up to. Um uh, and then um so at this point, Samuel Adams, so I keep quoting, uh he becomes a member of the House of Representatives. Um, the House of Representatives of Massachusetts, Massachusetts, decide to send a letter to the other colonies about their opinion and what should be done about the Stamp Act. Or, you know, right? Um And you can see again, and the word that keeps coming up is the word constitution, if you haven't noticed. They keep making constitutional argument. But this is called the Massachusetts circular. Letter. Uh, The House have humbly represented to his ministry uh, their own sentiments that his majesty's high court of parliament is the supreme legislative power over the whole empire. So what they're saying here is we acknowledge that parliament is sort of like – the highest legislative body in the whole empire they're saying we're part of the empire we get that does that make sense um but it's just a but of course so they acknowledge that but listen to this that in all free states the constitution is fixed what does that mean
0: um uh, maybe they talk about stuff and fix errors in their constitution i don't know I don't. Really no fix means right it's
2: here. stuck it's like glue oh like you're fixing okay. it to the wall so in every free country the Constitution is a solid thing that you can't just change overnight.
0: Oh, it's that concrete set in stone?
2: Yes, you can't just decide, well, we're going to ignore this because we really need the money. That's what Parliament was doing. Then on a side
0: tangent, um, why did we start amending our Constitution? Like well, in our we, Constitution,
2: what, like... because of this idea, we made it very hard to do so. Yeah. You had to go through a process. So the, okay. the,
1: the, the process for amending the Constitution of Britain was Parliament yeah. passes an act, and guys who lived and through so, this
2: time period came up with that idea. And
1: so, fifty-one percent of their Parliament can change their Constitution, mm-hmm. right? In our in our system, it takes multiple different uh, bodies, all with three-fourths of the people agreeing. So, it takes the legislature of of the United States three-fourths agreeing, and then it takes three-fourths of the states' legislatures all agreeing to an amendment, and then the president has to sign it. So there's a huge barrier to amending our Constitution, where there's basically none to amending the, the, the Constitution. That actually,
0: it makes it makes me feel better to know that there isn't just one political ideology in this country. That um I, things will get kind of like, as Jordan Peterson puts it, like fought in the realm of ideas. Like we yes. have to present things, and we have to uh, legislate them, and people have to agree with it. And that's other side of the aisle mm-hmm. as well. And so yeah. I actually now i i can see and appreciate why we have um a, a dissenting opinions now because it yeah it, it um it checks us do, do Do you know what i mean so that's even yeah. mm-hmm. that's good
2: yeah. so in all free states the constitution is fixed and as the supreme legislative that's a fancy way of saying parliament well listen to this derives its power and authority from the constitution they're saying we acknowledge Const- parliament's role but it er- derives its power from the constitution it cannot overleap the bounds of it without destroying its own foundation so we can only acknowledge uh s- someone's power of from us because of the constitution but if we start if we start letting them just go against the constitution then they have no power anymore yeah it's like a weird way of saying like you only have your power from the constitution so i can't Ah. let you go over it i'm not even obeying you anymore it's like a weird Ah, okay you've destroyed your own legitimacy at this point yes
0: because the only point where you have legitimacy is when you um, it's from the constitution constitutional yeah you
2: start overleaping it and now we've just destroyed your authority Mm -hmm. in a weird way then
0: you've then you've rescinded your own authority because you're acting
2: outside of the realm of the constitution that kind of yeah that kind of makes yeah yeah, that's very cool Oh sorry I don't it's know okay. this. Resend is a funny word because what happens after this one document goes out is the governor said this is sedition. You must resend this. That's literally what they said. What is I, sedition? Sedition is like disloyalty, you're like treason. treason. Yeah. You're saying you're in the form of of speech. It's like disloyalty. So seditious, right? This is this is treason what you guys saying. You're telling us That you don't have to obey us. Like, you're telling us that we're interpreting the laws right? Well, we're telling you. We're telling you what to do, Massachusetts. Like, (laughs) And not only that, it's seditious because you're telling the other colonies. This was a letter for the other colonies. You're telling the other colonies to stand fast, don't obey these laws, right? They have no authority to do this. So the governor tells them you must get rid of these laws. Uh, So they have another vote. And they vote 90, it was like 92 to 17, not to rescind. So, Sammy Adams is part of that voting parliament. They said not to rescind. Uh, they became known as the Glorious 92. Um, yeah, so. Because they
0: said, nah, we're cool. We're going to stay with you. Yeah, what we yeah, yeah.
2: Um, oh, and the, the funny thing at this period is, is at the end of this circular letter, they're seditious. They literally end their letter by saying, the house cannot conclude without expressing their firm confidence in the king, our common head and father, that he, that. The united and dutiful supplications of his distressed American subjects will meet with the royal and favorable acceptance. That's how they ended that letter, but of course they're still being rebellious, apparently.
1: Well, and and I I think the the technicality that they were working under is, is they can be, I don't know if rebellious is the right term, but they can be in opposition to the parliament but not in opposition to the king. There's a two separate bodies. So like we're not going to yeah, do it just... but ah,
0: our loyalty to the king. Ah,
1: well and, that, <laughs> and that's what they're appealing to is is this yeah. greater idea that the king's over the parliament to, sort of
2: anyway. We, yeah, we... yeah, what's happening is is these laws originate from the British Parliament and the king at this point is signing them a law. He could veto these laws. He's not, but they're still holding on to this like he's a young king, he's being uh, that was literally the opinion. He's being misled, and people like literally, it's hard for people at this point. They still have the king to say something ill of the king, right? Yeah. Um, unless you're Patrick Henry, <laughs> that's why he's such a radical. <laughs> um, um. Okay, so they start passing more
0: taxes. So, so um, this
2: this law. So th- this is the battle. This is the battle between this law. It doesn't go well, of course. Um, so they say, okay, we're going to repeal all these laws except for one law. One tax law on one item. What item is that? Is that the sugar or the tea? The tea. tea. And they're leaving okay. this tax on. Uh, oh, because what happens in between this time period is, um, in order to force these Bostonians to pay their taxes, they send a bunch of British soldiers over there. A skirmish oh, happens in the harbors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. A skirmish happens in the town of Boston. Uh, we call that the Boston Massacre. It's a whole thing. Um, little known fact about that is the guys who end up shooting the colonists all get off. Innocent because John Adams, a young lawyer, defends them in court and proves that they were fighting in self-defense. Um, but of because course, uh, of course, everyone's still mad at the British because they're killing us over tax <laughs> laws. Everyone forgets the part that these guys were declared innocent. um So Parliament, it's bad PR, that whole thing. So they repeal everything except for um the tax on tea. They leave that tax on tea because. They want to assert their authority to legislate in the colonies in all cases. What they're still so, flexing, yeah. yeah, they're still flexing in all cases whatsoever. It's like, bro, we can pass dumb laws, we can pass good laws, we'll pass whatever law we want, right? Um, just <laughs> like, no, you can't pass a law that's unconstitutional. Well, they, certain laws you can, there's certain ones you can't. Yeah, they're getting very technical. And The British are like, ah.
0: And does this go back to the whole we're not being represented, so you're not, you shouldn't be taxing us? Yes,
2: yes. So the, so what uh, the point is that the. Hinch, the the single issue has to do with the tax, but it's the over the over the general debate is the problem. It's like, does does Parliament have the authority to legislate in all cases? Whatsoever? Well, well, That's I, the real debate.
1: I think that something is as Americans we might not understand is how important tea was to them. I mean, yes, British culture has a tea time; it's a whole thing. Like when they were taxing tea, they were they were essentially asserting dominance over their Britishness in, in a certain yeah. way. At least that's how I'm kind of seeing it now. I might be misinterpreting that. but
2: uh-huh. um, So then what, what happens is, the so they leave the tax on tea. Then they pass the, I think it's called the tea, East India Trading Company Tea Act. They basically give a failing company, East India Trading Company, who has a bunch of tea that they're losing, like it's going to go rotten or whatever, right? Um, they basically give them some mercantile privileges to sell in the colonies at a cheaper discount. And technically, they passed a law that lowered the tax. That's the funny part. They lowered the tax on tea. <laughs> the tax on tea was lower than it had ever been before, but it was still an unconstitutional tax. So, a specific ship. So came this was o- an
0: issue on principle, right?
2: Yes, a specific ship came over called the Dartmouth. Uh, it landed in Boston Harbor, and as it on its way, they had a huge town meeting, and they were like, "Okay, we all agree we're not letting the tea come off, right?" Yes, we all agree. So the ship was unloaded of all its cargo except for the tea, um, and when I say town meeting, they had a town meeting and they set up like literally watch guards on the ship. So you would you and me like like might volunteer to literally go like ten of us stand there for an hour in front of the harbor and make sure no one tries to take the tea off the ship. Like it was pretty crazy. Um, so what hap- What part of the the struggle here was a, it was a time clock? I think they had twenty days according to British custom laws. That if you stayed in a port for uh, 20 days or more, um, you had to unload everything. Mm. That was the law. So like, you because ships might be selling half their cargo in one city, another one. So they had this law like, if you're there for 20 days, you're up to something shady, I guess. I don't know what the point was. But you have to unload. So the the town meeting came up with a plan. Let's pay the guys to leave. Let's pay them what we would give them. The amount of money that it would cost to buy the tea but to just take the tea and go home there's a solution right
1: and they could sail on down and try to sell it somewhere else if they wanted whatever
2: yeah. look look for the if you're the sailor you don't care whatever you get your money right um so the governor who represents the king vetoed this action he said no you guys cannot pay these guys to not unload their tea so it went back and forth they're writing letters so that was a
0: spiteful action for sure <laughs> yeah so
2: doing this and sam adams is telling people stuff like uh uh, I got a pillow under my, or I got a gun under my bed guys everyone should have a gun under their pillow ready or whatever he was saying something like that um so it gets down to the the last day they send one last appeal to the governor who says no uh Samuel Adams says in the town meeting uh there's nothing left f- that this meeting can do for the country and that was the signal supposedly um where a bunch of dudes dressed up like Indians showed up on the, these three ships and uh peacefully as much as possible destroyed all their tea and dumped it in the harbor yeah america America instead of paying the tax
0: <laughs> what's the what's the they very it brief all. um thing okay so they just dumped it all i heard that they they dumped it cleaned all cleaned up afterwards and yeah yeah they they, they very... didn't they didn't
2: do any uh damage to the ship um they cleaned up afterwards they wanted to make it known that literally it's just the tea it's not if we don't like hate you it's just the tea and this tax um so uh this is where parliament doesn't like they're just bad they they pass what the americans call the um intolerable acts a series of laws like five of them um basically what they do is they they punish the town of boston first off they they literally send warships into boston harbor they're like this harbor is shut down until you guys pay that back um and at first a lot of the other colonists were like whoa those bostonians are radicals they went too far And then the British go, we're shutting down their town completely. Like, literally, like, they can't import or export. And this is like a sea town. Like, that's everyone's job, right? Um, So everyone's – they also revoke the Massachusetts Charter. So that charter, that was their system of government. They literally said, no, you're kind of, for right now, under direct military rule. Your new governor is General Thomas Gage. Congratulations. You got a military governor. Um, So this is like martial law. Uh they move the capital out of Boston to um like Salem at that point. Somewhere else. They they move it out of Boston. Boston's like the capital, right? Uh that's a big deal because they it, it's referenced in the Declaration. Um they do that on purpose because that's where Yeah. Yeah, they they're they're, they're making life hard, right? Um There's some other things. I think they the Quebec acts in there, but those are like the main ones. The worst one that really upsets everyone is the revoking of the charter and the literally shutting down the town of Boston. So what happens is the colonies other colonies and neighbors are literally sending food to Boston by land like um, this colony of mass of Virginia uh, has a day of fasting and prayer right (laughs) for for their sister colonies they would say they have a day of fasting and prayer. Um, And it is decided that an act of unity must be taken and they agree to meet in Philadelphia for the first Continental Congress. They invite all 13 colonies to to send what they call delegates, their best and their brightest. What does
0: that mean, the first Continental Congress?
2: Continental Congress. So they're going to meet. So every colony, send like your best five or eight guys whatever. I don't know. I don't know why they have different numbers. But send someone that represents your colony. We're going to all sit down in in, um, Philadelphia together. And we're going to come up with some sort of act of unity because this is ridiculous what they're doing to Massachusetts. So instead of scaring the colonies away from taking further resistance, they actually ended up pushing us together more, because the other colonies are like, if if they can do this to Massachusetts, they're literally going to do it to us. So that's where the first continental con we meet in Philadelphia, um, and then nothing like that had ever happened before. Well, and there was a stamp at Congress, but this was crazy because everyone was there except for Georgia, that kind of couldn't make it <laughs> for some reason. Um, I mean, George Washington is there, Samuel Adams is there. So all these guys who have been reading each other's like um, newspaper articles and thoughts, all the, all the political thinkers that you've heard about from the other colonies, you're now sitting – they're sitting in the room together, and they're talking it out. Um, interesting thing is the first thing they do is they have a uh, – they want to have a prayer meeting, and someone says, we can't have a prayer meeting because we're all of different denominations. Some of you are like weirdo Baptists and stuff um we can't pray together and samuel adams is like no i'll pray with anyone who's like a friend of their country and, and a pious man right so they bring in an anglican minister uh he reads the 35th psalm which it starts with like uh is this like defend me uh, i tried to remember i, I can't remember it by hand it's 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 about getting your shields and your bucklers your shield and spear together i think wow and defending uh like asking the lord to defend you from your enemies right Something like that. He'll read it. Uh, a Psalm of
1: David, plead my cause, yeah. O Lord, with those who strive with me. Yeah. Fight against those who fight against me. Take hold of shield and buckler and stand up for my help. Also draw out the spear and stop those who pursue me. Say to my soul, I am your salvation, or in Hebrew, Yeshua.
2: Yeah. So the first meeting of our Continental Congress, founding fathers get together. They had a prayer meeting. This verse was read. And according to them, everyone was like, just on fire now like ready to go there's a, is a if you could
0: they're, yeah they're basically saying like god be with us as yeah, we go through there's a, a there's a painting, of, the founding,
2: a painting of founding so painting the founding fathers all like praying while this pastor preaches and someone's like crying in the all the deists yeah all the deists the non-religious deists who say to
0: let's file so mm-hmm. really quick why don't you address that what is a what is deism what is a deist so and, suppose, um,
2: supposedly a deist is a, a a person who believes in like a creator deity a creator god uh mm-hmm. as someone who creates like a universe that we live in but then doesn't uh, affect it like he does not actually active anymore so there's sort of miracles. like miracles yeah sort of like me like creating a painting and i he just looks over at it it's just being it's just doing its thing now He's not like actively involved. It's a terrarium and he's just watching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um,
1: Whereas Christianity teaches that God became man, it, put on flesh yeah. or, you know, bore our sin for us, right? It, it's, it,
2: it's 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 laughable to say they were deists. Mm-hmm. They can only ever the only two I know of Someone can fact check me and let me know if there's another one, but I know of Thomas Paine and uh, um Ethan Allen those are the ones I know are actual deists because they said they were deists. And he's so not here, even Jefferson because I, mean, I was here. No, Jefferson not Jefferson. Identity. He was not orthodox. So a lot of these guys they point to and say they're deists, and then people ignore it because we know that they're not orthodox Christians. But that's not the same as being a deist. Um, yeah. And then those are like the only ones they point to. They don't point to. They don't. Point to, they, don't, point to, they, don't they don't talk about Samuel Adams. Um. Uh. Anyway, so Congress is formed. Um. One of the interesting things that happens is uh, a guy named Paul Revere shows up on a horse, and he brings. It. So this is a this is like, uh, like a political battle. Like I'm saying, this is peace. It's political. It's done with the pen. The newspaper is the weapon of of this battle, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's the newspaper. So this is big deal. Uh, Paul Revere shows up on a horse, and he has brought something called the Suffolk Resolves. Suffolk Resolves, like what the heck is that? He's talking about. Suffolk County, Massachusetts because the intolerable acts shut down the town meeting. So these guys were like, okay, fine, we'll meet as a county. <laughs> it's literally just it's literally just Boston, but it's Suffolk <laughs> County, which I just find hilarious. So Paul Revere, his less famous ride shows up and hands this to the Congress because a lot of the delegates from like um other states are like they're looking at the Massachusetts guy like you guys are just radical, crazy. It's a nice document. I have I, it with me. Um, it's just saying it says stuff like uh, Great Britain of old is persecuting us once again. Uh, the Congress agrees. This was the why a Congress agrees to um, they vote to uh, give their approval of that document. So con- they're all saying yes, we agree with when it comes to this struggle. All of these colonies, we agree with those guys. Mm. We agree with the local Bostonians, actually. So, by the way, nice try trying to shut them down. But we actually agree with them and what they're saying. That's what that's important. Uh, one that's of these cool. cool documents is called The Address to the People of Great Britain. Oh, hey, real really quick. quick hold oh, on. Are we out of time? Uh, Austin, I know no, that no. you're uh,
0: – it's coming up pretty up. Yeah, I was going to address that really quick. So um, – in about 5 10 minutes ish I'll just turn on like uh, close my camera and stuff like
2: that but I all do right.
0: want you to keep going um, Yeah let me try to hammer I,
2: through this real quick. Um, so No you don't have to finish for me like you can keep going uh, oh, okay. with just Ryan after I Well yeah cuz we're getting to the point where what we're going to celebrate on 4th of July is coming up. Okay. Um so but you see what's happening it starts with this tax law on sugar and then it just it's exploding now and now all the colonies work together. But this is one of the cool ones is the address to the people of Great Britain. Continental Congress writes a letter not to Parliament, not to the king, but literally to our fellow British, their fellow British people living in Great Britain. That's what this is. It's like um, it says friends and fellow subjects when a nation led to greatness by the hand of liberty and possess of all the glory that heroism, munificence and humanity can bestow descends to the ungrateful task of forging chains for her friends and children. And instead of giving support to freedom turns advocate for slavery and oppression, there's reason to suspect she has neither ceased to be, Oh, she has either ceased to be virtuous or has been extremely negligent in the appointment of her rulers. So we wrote a letter that I'm like, like your people that you vote for are doing this to us. What's up? That, that was it. And I mean, Uh, Modern times, I mean, how neglectful are we of our own? People are voting in. They're doing stuff all the time that we're not paying attention to. So there's some blame on the people personally for what's going on. Uh, I I just find this – I think uh, John Jay was the author of this. But it's one of the things, like this story, like sort of like a tragic breakup, what's happening over time. Um, So the Congress, uh, the main thing they do – they send these letters. But the main thing they do is they agree to a, a, a continental wide boycott. Because there was boycotts over here, over here. But this is like a full-on, every single, all 12 colonies. Sorry, Georgia wasn't there. Um, they're going to agree There's n- they will not buy anything produced on the island of Great Britain. Um, and by the way, not every single British politician is like really happy with all this. Because this is bad for business for everybody. Um, but we're like, no. Um, so it's a continental-wide boycott. Um, this is the point where the colonies have united every single colony is doing the same thing they're writing letters they're writing letters they have they have a continental wide meeting um and then that's like the end of peaceful solutions basically Mm -hmm. um what happens next down in virginia is um i guess like the the burgesses have to meet in Their normal capital is Williamsburg, so they have to go to uh, the the monarch capital. Richmond? Richmond. wasn't even the capital then. They have to meet in Richmond uh, at St. John's Church because they literally are running away from their governor because they're having an illegal meeting of the Burgesses. Um, And that is where Patrick Henry, uh, this radical politician, um, proposes that they raise the militia. The militia are those regular everyday people that are supposed to show up with their musket. Um, he says, raise the militia into a posture of defense, as they put it. Like, literally, we're about to be invaded, right? So if you, if we put that here, like, but this isn't the French, this isn't the Spanish. He's saying their own country and government mm-hmm. is going to invade them and do what they're doing in Massachusetts. So he proposes this. They're like, no way, this is crazy. We can't go to war. Um, then he gives his famous liberty or death speech. He says, give me liberty or give me death. Uh, Virginia organizes for war. During that speech he says um, something quite predictable. He says the next gale from the north will be the sound of resounding arms. He says the next big thing. He says the next big thing, because he's saying we've been trying peaceful methods for like 10 years. And he says, But the next thing that's gonna happen is is that there's gonna be guns firing now. He's just predicting it. He's this is what's yeah. gonna happen. It's where we're at. He says our chains are forged, and you can hear them clanking on the streets of Boston. <laughs> that's pretty funny. He's he's a great. I wish I could read the whole speech. That's yeah, that's some great language. Go 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 go! Just read the whole speech. In itself, it's its own like two-hour study. Is it like it's called again, but Pastor Henry's Liberty of Death speech. Because people only know the last part, but they don't Very know why God. he gave that speech, and he don't do the whole thing. Uh, but people in that speech are saying like he's he's countering people's arguments, saying like how can we win this? And he's saying there is a just God who resides in heaven who raised raise up oh, friends man. for us. Uh, stuff like that um but anyway so what happens up in massachusetts is um the british under general gage decide to do two things one night they're gonna go arrest samuel adams and john hancock in the town of lexington um because they find out that they're hanging out in um the home of the reverend jonas clark in the church um that the pastor's house basically uh, so go arrest them, march out, arrest them, uh, and then march north to Concord where we hear the colonists are holding their powder magazine, as they would call it. That's where all the supplies of gunpowder and extra bullets are for the for the Massachusetts militias, right? So go take it. So literally, they're trying to take away – they're trying to disarm the colony basically, they're trying to cut their teeth off, right, rip their teeth out. But apparently, uh, there was a spy network of loyal patriots going on, meeting at the Green Dragon Tavern. Um, what exactly they did, how that worked, I don't know. They were spies. So. It's like all sorts of speculations, but they're called the Sons of Liberty. That's um, awesome. I know there's a lot about them. I try to look them up, but I'm like, oh, I can't look them up because they're, they're, they're having a secret spy meeting. I'm not writing down every little yeah. thing they're doing. But um, one of these guys is a guy by the name of Paul Revere. Uh, so the spy network gets word. Paul Revere um, gets on a horse and does his famous ride. The first thing he's got to do is he's got to like, get on a boat and like quietly go across the river. Right. Uh, And then he gets on a horse named Brown Beauty and he goes around, not screaming, not screaming at the top of his lungs. The British are coming, the British are coming, which would have been cool, but he's very quietly waking up specific people. He's waking up the militia leaders. This was actually pre-planned. He knows the whole militia networks of Massachusetts. He's alarming them. He gets to Sam Adams and John Hancock tells him, get out of here. Uh, At a certain point during his ride, he gets captured by British soldiers and they're holding a pistol to his head. Uh, He gets out of there. Um, They're literally telling him, we're going to blow your brains out. Um, uh, But he did his job. He got the word out. By the time the British have marched to the town of Lexington, the militia is ready. They're outnumbered, but they stand fast where this famous... Uh shot her around the world happens where the British say that we shot at them first, we say they shot at us first, and it's on. So we've gone from debating to an actual battle at Lexington. Uh they just kill eight guys and we have to retreat. We can't really fight them at that point. Uh they march north to Concord, the town of Concord. They start burning down a bridge and stuff, and then the militia has finally rallied, the famous stand at the bridge where they're trying to cross a bridge and we shoot them and run them back. And the British have to retreat back to Boston. Um, and the whole way they go, militiamen from every little town are showing up with their guns and pistols and whatever they got, just popping out of nowhere, taking shots at them. Uh, there's a famous story of old guys, like 70. He sees the British army marching home. He puts down his like farming tools, gets his gun out, just pops them, (laughs) just pops at him. And then they shoot him like 10 times and stab him with some bayonets. And he lived, (laughs) he lived like another 10 years. I'm trying to remember that story. Um, so, the, yeah, the war is on. Um, and yet, there is still not a nation on Earth called the United States of America. Mm-hmm. We're still just uh, fighting for uh, liberty. And we're trying to get our own government to acknowledge that we have liberty. Were we out on time?
1: Uh, so, we're, we're at a, an hour 40. I think Austin had to take off. Uh, so... He yep. had to go do what he had to go do. Um
2: I mean, do you want to do a part two? Or do you want to keep we, going? We
1: can do a part two.
2: We I'm, can do a part two.
1: I'm totally down to have you back on whenever you want to come on, Christian. Let the war happened. Um, I've really enjoyed being able to talk with you today. I'm I'm sorry that Austin didn't get to.
2: Oh, is he gone? Gone it.
1: already? I, I don't know. Uh, he he closed off his. Uh, oh, okay. His video. Uh, so he's either getting ready. He might be listening to this. Um. Oh, yeah, yeah I,
0: just, I, I can hear you I'm, I'm just gonna have to get out of here like all right, right he's, now he's
1: um, getting ready. <laughs> peace buddy so it's it's just up on the screen, us
2: up just on the screen. to Thank
1: summarize, for coming
0: on the, christian we okay. might have to have you back pretty soon
2: yeah i'm coming back uh, just to summarize where it goes the incredible thing about this is how how they try to do it peacefully and they came up with every argument they could and it turned to blows finally, mm-hmm. but by the time those guys start fighting, they've had a decade of knowing what they're there fighting for. Yeah, which is the interesting thing. It's not just the idea of like, oh man, taxes. I don't want to pay no taxes. <laughs> I just want to drink beer and be an American. Where's my gun? Like, no, it's, it's some of that. But
1: yeah, well, and they they certainly had their uh, their fun with some some spiked punch and, and a few different places. Oh yeah, 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 gotta have punch. Um, so you know, I. Uh... It might not sound like this conversation is directly tied to what we normally talk about, where we talk about God and faith and that sort of thing. Uh, but I just wanted to reiterate that, like, the the men and the women that were involved in the founding of this country, 99%, they were strong, faithful Christians who who just wanted to be free from government tyranny to to serve their God. And so I, I think it's important that we understand where that came from, and, and that's why I brought Christian on to kind of give us some context of the the history behind that. Um, it sounds like we're going to have to do a part two of this uh, interview with him, and uh, yeah, he'll give us the rest of that story, and uh, we'll we'll tie it all into to Christ and kind of explain all that kind of stuff as well. Do you have anything you wanted to finish off with uh, with this part
2: one? No, yeah, it's um. In debating this topic with Christians sometimes, I, I think they, what they're doing is they are judging the founding era based on how kind of like a shallow, vapid form of patriotic Christianity is today or like a shallow Christian nationalism is today. Mm-hmm. And they're just blaming – it's just like they're assuming it's the same thing. Um, I'm not here to say like every founding father was an orthodox Christian like 100%. A lot of them weren't. yeah. Um, but the thing is, during that time period, the same, same things that you would acknowledge, that you that you would recognize, like liberty, freedom, all these things, these were not secular virtues. This was a Christian community that came up with these ideas and then fought for them. And it it it, it like doesn't happen in a random secular vacuum. Yeah, it's like this is a Christian world, and they're thinking like Christians when they come up with these ideas.
1: Well and and I think that that's important for us uh, today. I think a lot of us have kind of started to think that there are two separate worlds that there is this secular world where I vote and I'm a a citizen of the United States and this Christian world where I'm you know a Christian and i I do things for Christ yeah. and really you know they wouldn't have seen it that way in seventeen seventy six I don't think um and I don't think it's for us to see it that way either our our faith and what we believe drastically influences how we how we should think about politics and how we should think about ourselves and our place within it. So, yeah. All right. All right, everybody. I appreciate you joining us today. Uh, my name is Ryan. Uh, we had Austin with us. Uh, he has his clothing line over at, at com. You should go check that out. You can find my personal stuff over at AIIW.org. Uh, Christian, is there any way, if anybody wants to... Uh, join one of your classes or if there's anybody in Southern California that would like to uh, potentially take one of his classes, uh, you can hit us up at faithfuldialogues.com or in the comments anywhere here. And uh, we'll see if we can work on, uh, on getting some of his classes filled up with, uh, with some more kids that want to learn about our country and from a perspective of a, of a Christian. So.
2: All right. It's great being with you guys. I'll see you later.
1: All right. Goodbye, everybody. Have a wonderful week.